Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hey, Coffee Is Me podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode. Uh, and this time you can see us. That's new. Look at that. It's me here, Valerian Rala, your host. And on the other side, I have Rahul Reddy from Supco Coffee. Welcome, Rahul. Thank you. Thank you, Valerian. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for having uh, making time for this. And this is new. You are the first one. You're the first video guy on this podcast. <laughs> well, that's very unfortunate for me, but at least you get to show my hat to people. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So what's up with the hat? I mean, man, do I, I, I saw you here, you came cupping and your head almost always falls into the cupping balls. What's up with that? Yeah, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, a hazard during cuppings, but, but, uh, no, it's, it's, it's funny cause I'm, I'm based out in, um, Bombay or Mumbai, India at the moment. And, uh, I'm, I'm virtually like when I moved there about three and a half years ago, I swear. I was literally the only guy in that entire city of like 22 million people that was wearing a hat like this. But it is, I, I don't know, I, I lived in France as a student, as a bachelor student, and I kind of just like picked up a hat and I liked it and I started wearing it and it, it, it's sort of been associated with, with me for those who know me now for, for the last decade or so. So um, that's the story with the hat and I will never take it off. So, Oh, uh, how are showers? <laughs> <laughs> showers are yeah showers are the one exception and uh i will be gifting you a hat of this nature uh after this podcast so you're kidding me no no i'm serious i have one right here it's got like your name so i have to wear it no you can choose to wear it maybe just for cuppings <laughs> <laughs> awesome a little more challenge well, thrown in your way given valerian is an, an incredible cupper and yeah as, as you just mentioned i mean it was such a cool like privilege really to be invited over to do a cupping with you guys uh, a week or so ago. So thank you for that. Yeah, we cannot talk about the cupping, unfortunately. <laughs> what was yeah. that? It's a secret. Oh, I hate it's secrets. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was privilege on my side because uh, it's so awesome to cup with people from all over the world. Uh, because, you know, we kind of calibrated here at lab. We know what we like. We know how we score coffees. But uh, doing it with you, I mean, that was really awesome. I mean, it's like you are like on the opposite side of the world. And yet we scored very similarly, which was for me like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always like a little, you know, jittery about, you know, initially about cupping with folks, uh, I would say who aren't at origin where I'm based, you know, in, in, in India, because obviously we end up drinking, even those of us in the sort of Q grading community, we end up drinking a lot of coffees that have, you know, similar characteristics, given that we evaluate primarily, um, Indian coffees. Uh, and so it's really important for me to have these experiences to know, well, Hey, someone, you know, uh, with the, at the, at the caliber of, of Valerian and, and, you know, uh, the, the, the boot team, you know, is my, is my palate still calibrated, you know, uh, on, on a, on a global sort of level around different origins. And I, I was, you know, pleasantly, uh, uh, pleasantly, pleasant affirmation that we, that we cupped, uh, quite, quite similarly. 
And those coffees were hard. Those coffees yeah. were rare, unusual. And even for me, when I cup them, like, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, you know, although, although, yeah, I guess I know we can't talk too much about what that cupping was, but uh, so it's, it's quite funny. Uh, your audience is going to be a little, a little annoyed at this point. I think, like, what is this mystery cupping? Where was this? I know. <laughs> but it was, they're certainly a rare. And, um, and uh, weirdly enough, the, the flavor profiles um, were quite relational for me um, with a lot of the more experimental uh, Indian coffees that I can share a little bit about today that, you know, I've been working with. So that was, that was cool. Yeah, so let me just put uh, the listeners in ease. I'm going to talk about them at some point. So um, <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's the ITNDA thing came into coffee and it's just like, oh no, because I'm so excited. Anyway, let's move on so people don't go like, these people are crazy. They are not going to reveal this. I will at some point, no worries. All right, so usually I have this first question for all my guests. And that's your first experience with coffee. Like, do you remember your first sip of coffee? Oh, first sip, you know, it's a very interesting question. Um, so I just like a quick, 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 quick background on me. I mean, I, I, I did grow up in the, in the Bay Area primarily where, you know, Valerian is and I are right now. Um, but uh, I did have like a brief a bit of my childhood uh, was spent in, in South India. Um, and uh, there's a very, you know, there, there is surprisingly, there is a coffee culture, like a, a kind of non-specialty coffee culture that exists in, in India. Um, there's this beverage called filter coffee or filter coffee. And it's ironic because it has nothing to do with the way we refer to filter coffee and specialty coffee. But so it's like quite confusing. Essentially, it's it's like a very adulterated it's delicious, you know, but it's like a very adulterated beverage where um, the, the theory is that the, the, the advent of French colonialism in India um, left a legacy in South India where the, the French and the British colonists would um, essentially cut coffee uh, that they would sell domestically in the colonies with chicory, which um, you also see in, in New Orleans as a, as a vestige of you know new orleans coffee which ironically is also a former you know french colony so there's a weird relation randomly between new orleans and like tamil nadu and, and kerala and south india and that was probably my first like coffee uh experience um but but you know that i can kind of recall was this it's very very sweet milky very satisfying kind of super hot like way hotter than any sca guideline would ever allow <laughs> for but uh but that that one and 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 Funnily enough, another thing that um, kind of defined my coffee journey uh, on a personal level, uh, you know, I would say before specialty or maybe just when specialty was sort of coming up in the Bay Area, um, I, my first ever job uh, was uh, as a Starbucks barista. So this was, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like to talk about this because it's, it's not, you know, uh, Starbucks hasn't obviously hasn't influenced much of what I've done since, but uh, I, I I still uh, I still owe some professional coffee experience to them, and I um I did I did have my first my first uh, occupational coffee experience uh, at Starbucks like in two thousand and five six. So um, yeah, so those are two things that kind of stand out, and yeah, uh, in terms of my first sip um, of very two very different coffees, one very sweet, one kind of burnt, but hey. Um, 
you know. <laughs> Dude, I don't think you listen to this podcast from beginning because it's many episodes, but I started with Starbucks coffee. Like that was my first coffee. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is different, you know. Yeah. So Starbucks definitely has its place. I mean, we can learn from them, from management. And this even Pete's like, I have to say that we have some students from Pete's coming to our lab and we open their eyes, what the <laughs> coffee is. Uh, that's amazing. Nothing against beats, yeah. like no hate there. It's just like, you know, um, yeah. uh, it's different. When they come, they come here, they learn about, uh, like, let's say, specialty coffee. They, they kind of get like, they get the bug, like we do have the bug, right? right? No, 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 I, I, I just, I do agree with you. I, I fully agree that there's a lot to learn from, you know, how Starbucks has built a highly professionalized coffee experience so vastly in so many geographies. And I, and I think, um, you know, uh, certainly there's, there's respect there for them, uh, regardless of the direction they've chosen to go in with regards to, you know, perhaps traceability and, and roasting, roasting style standards, et cetera. All of that can obviously be, you know, uh, pulled apart, but, but I, but I think uh, there's a lot to learn from them as well. Dude, it works for them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it's like they do it. Okay, so <laughs> I'm always looking like that now. Now people know that I actually have notes on this podcast. They will think that oh, Valerie is so smart before, and now we reveal the truth. I do have <laughs> notes which I have to consult. But I have these questions like, did I really write this down? So the question is, what did? Why did you start coffee and not selling socks? Oh man, well, yeah, socks were were not even. In my in on my radar, so hats. That, that would, hats, yeah, hats. No, no, I um, you know, uh, Valerian. I mean, for me, I guess. Do, do you want me to like give a little bit of a backdrop as to what Subco is, uh, or do you want to get to that afterwards? So uh, let's 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 go from beginning. First of all, uh, tell us okay. what's the situation in Mumbai when it comes to specialty coffee or India generally. Like, do people buy it? Are there other brands? And then let's move on, you know, to your uh, how and why did you start Itsupko? And what does it stand okay. for? Yeah, sure. Cool, cool. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a little bit about sort of the journey, skipping the fluff uh, about sort of how exactly I got there. Um, I, my background was, you know, not in coffee or food and beverage for the majority of my, of my career. I guess this is somewhat of a common story at this point um, with a lot of folks in, in the industry now. Um, however, um, essentially, you know, I, I had kind of two stints, uh, before coffee, uh, one was in more of the like sort of branding and marketing side of, of technology, sort of consumer technology companies. And then my heart was always much more in, um, you know, political economy and social impact and that sort of side of, 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 uh, of academia and, and professional life. So. I transitioned away from tech at a, at a point and I'd been moving kind of around the world at this stage. I, I think I told you when we met, but I, I was sort of spending a lot of time between, you know, France, New York, London, eventually the Philippines and India, all sort of various, you know, time frames. But, um, you know, I transitioned from tech into sort of the uh, social entrepreneurship space. And then I became sort of a, um, a South Asia focused um, development economist, uh, Technically, I guess, <laughs> given, I mean, not that I feel like an expert in that, but, but the idea was that I wanted to focus my efforts professionally on, on the South Asia region. And throughout this period of time, I had been, you know, very, very fortunate to have lived in, you know, arguably a couple of the, you know, world's uh, 
best cities for from like a consumer point of view for for specialty coffee experiences and all of these Aussies by the time I moved to London all of these Aussies and Kiwis had kind of started that whole specialty revolution in London and and uh, there was some incredible you know projects that had started at the time I mean there was groceries like Ozone and and uh, shops like you know Proofrock and, and and Square Mile obviously had come up at that point and you know so this was like a huge learning and a huge exposure for me um, in New York when I was there of course you know there were there were already you know blue bottles there and there was you know Stumptown there was a really cool project uh, like from a concept point of view that I was partially inspired by called Devotion which was focused purely on you know Colombian coffee uh, alone uh, based in Brooklyn so. There was, there's a few, you know, companies out there that I was kind of like following closely and just, just understanding what origin stories look like. And I was like, wait a second, I know from my childhood and my background that, you know, India has coffee plantations. And I was sitting there thinking, why have I never seen a single Indian plantation mentioned by any of these coffee roasters in any of these countries? And it, you know, it kind of piqued my interest uh, as to why that might be the case. I was like, oh, maybe there's very little coffee growing in India. That was my first thought. Right. Um, just did a quick Google search. <laughs> Honestly, a uh, few hours later, I was like, wait, OK, I, you know, maybe this is data that's maybe four or five years old now. But the, the last data set I had seen was like, oh, actually, India is the fifth largest producer of coffee in the world. And I was like, this makes no sense out of like, what, 25 odd countries or so. I'm, I'm not sure how many exactly uh, coffee producing countries there are currently. But I was like, OK, India is in like, the top quartile of all of this from an agricultural point of view. So maybe it just sucks. Like maybe the, maybe I was learning about varietals and I was learning about all these things. And, and I was like, maybe the coffee is just inherently bad. Like maybe the crop sucks. And then it turned out that that wasn't necessarily true either. And that's not just, just not how agriculture works. You know, it's not just inherently bad. Um, and, and, and then I started learning more about processing and stuff. And then I said, like, oh, okay, so there's a processing problem and a knowledge transfer problem with regards to how plantations work in India. And not enough incentivization, you know, for the plantations and the, and the planters to, you know, upgrade their infrastructure, create, you know, better, you know, better processes on the farm level to, you know, increase cup scores and then, you know, command higher prices in the market, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I started learning about all this and then I was like, OK, so what's going on in coffee to answer your question, Valerian, in India today? And this was about, uh, I want to say before the, about a year before the pandemic started, where like. I was thinking a lot, very like actively about coffee, India, um, Asia in general and coffee. Um, of course, as a lot of your audience already would know, uh, you know, Indonesia, you know, kind of broke through from the Asian point of view and in specialty like a while back, whether you love the coffees from there or not. I mean, they're, they're, they're present, you know, and, um, you know, so, so, so that was cool. And that was like an inspiration. I was like, OK, interesting. But even then, like the domestic market within pretty much every origin country, but in, in like in Indonesia was still quite, quite limited in terms of like how coffee was positioned within the country, at least specialty wise. And so I was like, OK, what's happening in India? And, and yeah, to answer your question, you know, as of when I started kind of taking the topic more seriously and thinking a little bit more about what I might want to do um, around this, like this kind of problem that India had, uh, there were there were already a couple of of uh, solid uh, brands, consumer brands on the on the roasted coffee side that it, that had started up. Um, there is a uh, quite a quite a respected uh, now quite reasonably like large scale brand called Blue Tokai, which 
is largely credited with having probably started the idea of like traceable coffee in India and in, in the cafe format and then retail. So it had, you know, they had sort of inspired, I think, interest in at least being like, okay, let's identify a farm. Let's, you know, let's identify what, you know, at least that this coffee was a washed coffee or, you know, uh, on odd occasion when you would find natural processed coffee, which until the last like two years was like not a thing you would find in India really, uh, at least not, not, not commonly. Um, and, um, and, you know, so, so it, there, there had certainly been some positive movement in the, in the sort of like metropolitan areas, so cities like New Delhi, um, Mumbai, Bombay, um, Bangalore, which is, so Bangalore is sort of known as like the Silicon Valley of India. And it happens to be about, it's sort of like the entry point for sort of coffee country in the South of India, uh, in, in the Chikmagalore region. So you, you would fly into Bangalore and then you drive about, you know, four to five hours away um, to the, uh, plantation areas, uh, with, you know, higher elevation areas. Um, so, so yeah, to answer your question there before, uh, you know, Subco started there, there was already some positive momentum in India around, you know, reimagining, I guess, what coffee could mean to a society that was addicted to tea. I think there was that, that level of movement had started. And then, you know, we, we took, you know, we tried to take a very radically different approach to it, but yeah. Okay, so uh, how, so what was your, I would say, uh, thought process when you go like, I'm going to start a company and it's going to be called <laughs> Supco? Yeah, so I guess a good, you know, starting point to answer that would be, you know, what, what is, what is Supco? In, in fact, Valerian, it's, it's pronounced Subco. So okay. a lot of people read it as, as Supco, but uh, I, I like to kind of make that correction because um it's a play on words, in fact. So if you can actually, you can see it on my shirt here. So okay. um, it's uh, so Subco is it's short for subcontinent. So a lot of people might know that India is referred to as the subcontinent because it's it's not an entire continent. It's like a basin, geographic basin like this. So it's referred the Indian kind of subcontinent comprises of South Asian countries, really. So, you know, uh, former British colonies like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Nepal, you know, all the way stretching to kind of Myanmar, which also grows some really fantastic single origin coffee now. Um, um, so, so Subco is short for subcontinent and in, in several Indian uh, or, you know, subcontinental languages, it means for everybody. So Subco is actually, a, you know, so you, if you say Subco in, in, you know, Hindi or Urdu, it means for everyone. So the idea there was, could we spread the gospel of, of Asian and, and with a focus on South Asian coffee to the world? And this name kind of encompassed all of that. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, starting, a, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Valerian. I, I, this is really like with the risk of being a bit cliched since we're in the Valley and you hear shit like this all the time. Um, I, I, I would, I would say that I didn't like Subco as an idea. Subco was always an idea and very mission oriented. It was not like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start a company and I want to do it in coffee. Like I, I never, I, that was never my frame of mind. I, I had an inherent consumer passion for the origin stories of coffee, the, the variety of interfaces you could have around the world in a coffee, in a specialty coffee environment that, that was inspirational to me uh conceptually 
And then, and then I, I guess a little bit of, you know, pride came in there when I was like, okay, well, why, why, why can India not have a role to play in this? Is, is it possible for us to improve our processing? Is it impossible? Is it possible for us to improve the way we, we, we depict and brand and package and, and do all of these things to inspire people to give this origin uh, a chance um, within, within the, the tapestry of different coffee that people enjoy. Um, so, so I, and, and the other piece of what Subco does, and Valerian, I think we talked about this as well when we met, but um, is given that, you know, India is still, you know, kind of, I'd say very rapidly it's shifting, like very rapidly, but still kind of um, acclimating to the idea that coffee is not a roadside milky chicory laced beverage that costs 20 Indian rupees. And in fact, it's something that is expensive to produce. Uh, to roast, to package, and hence is, can can occupy more of a premium positioning uh, in in that in that domestic you know marketplace. Um, and um, I think as as we're acclimating to that, I uh, you know I, I I also had a certain passion for uh, baking and and craft baking. And so the idea when, when it comes to like as you asked as you asked me about starting a company. Um, the idea was always, it was more about the concept and the mission of bringing Indian coffee to like what we later would define as like an 85 point plus standard, um, of, of, uh, on like this, you know, SCA scale, um, with that being our standard for like the retail coffee that we would sell, we also wanted to provide a very distinctly highly technical craft baking experience, arguably, you know, for one of the first times in India. Um, and we wanted the, the baking program to be a, a vertical of its own. So we would focus on sourdough bread and laminated doughs. So experimental croissants, uh, queen amans, like things that you typically certainly wouldn't see in, in India. And in fact, things that are quite revered, you know, here in San Francisco, in, in London and e everywhere, because people generally understand that these are very challenging baked goods to master and to get them consistent every, every day. And it really went hand in hand with coffee to me. And, and so that's the other part of what Subco has been doing. So, You know, for me, that was fascinating because, uh, first of all, by the way, um, I pronounce, pronounce Subco correctly in a Valerian English because I actually ah. say subcontinent and that's, you know, coming from my, uh, my, my original languages, but yeah, okay, I have to now remember. Based on <laughs> Subco, I remember that it's not pronounced subcontinent, but subcontinent in English. So exactly. it's a language lesson for me. <laughs> Fair enough, uh, fair enough. <laughs> so I, I looked at your Instagram and, you know, I did the research about your company. First of all, there's not too much about you, like, like you mm -hmm. guys, you kind of hide a little bit behind that. But I, you know, your Instagram is full of these amazing baking goods. And I was like, wait a moment, isn't this a coffee company? Am I in a wrong uh, place? <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, I am fascinated too by sourdough and I make myself a sourdough bread and sourdough things, but... I never mastered anything like you guys have on a page. So don't tell me that you bake it, right? Do you bake <laughs> it? Uh, not me personally, unfortunately. Okay. But uh, but uh, but no, it's 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 funny you say that, Valerian. I mean, we so we I I set out to do a lot of things to try to, to try. I mean, this was the aspiration. I don't know. People will have to tell us if we're how we're doing on this. But to redefine the coffee category, like from a specialty coffee point of view. And in at origin, remember, like we're not operating in New York City or, you know, where there's a mature understanding of like specialty coffee across the city to some degree. 
um, or at least a habit, a habituation to it rather. Um, so, so we were like, okay, let's not, when we, when it comes to things like, you know, as you put it, you know, our Instagram handle or, you know, generally the social media, uh, content that we create, we, I was very, very stringent with my team. So two things I think to note about that one is that we, I took an approach, very challenging approach where we don't outsource a single piece of what we do, meaning we don't have a digital marketing agency. We don't have an outsourced design firm. We don't, we essentially I've, I'm creating a design studio in-house at Subco. It's actually kind of like the third vertical of what we do right now, which is where we call it the designery. I mean, it's kind of like a cheeky way of calling it, but, but essentially what that means is we go extremely in depth in how we want to convey uh, visual information and communication uh, around baking and coffee such that I, I kind of told the team in the beginning, like, guys, I don't want our feed to be yet another coffee feed with, you know, shitloads of pictures of latte art. Like, no disrespect to anybody that wants to position themselves that way. But I was like, okay, there's, there's enough latte art on the internet. There's enough, you know, shots of packaging constantly going out on feeds, like trying to sell coffee beans. Of course, when we have a really cool micro lot dropping, we want to talk about it. But there are ways with a more artistic direction, with an educational direction built in. Um, and there are things like, you know, text overlays, which can identify what's happening on the farm level or in the bakery that we can utilize to really engage people. Um, so we've tried to take that very seriously. And hence, you know, you won't see a lot of the typical uh, directions that people go into, like loads of cafe shots, loads of brewing shots. We, we do... We do want to do a little bit more of it. And, you know, I think there's, of course, value in showcasing uh, the craft from a barista's point of view, from a roaster's point of view. So that's definitely something I'm, I'm working on, you know, doing more frequently. But I think overarchingly, um, the idea is how do we meld the, the, the sort of artistic nature inherently of, of, um, of, of farming, roasting, baking, um, and, and how do we tie all that together in a very Indic light? So we use a lot of like typography um, that utilizes like even our logo unit, if you can see it on the screen here, it's actually, it's built with three, uh, three languages within it. So we, so Subco is obviously Latin, you know, English. And then below that, um, the, the two kind of arguably India is very complex linguistically. There's, you know, I don't, I actually don't even know how many languages, uh, and then dialects exist in India, but, um, you know, arguably there's like two, two kind of scripts that, define India, uh, which are, which are the sort of Sanskrit or like Devanagari Hindi script and the Urdu script over here, which is like a Persian, uh, adaptation of Persian. So we kind of built all of that into this logo unit that we call the tri-script. And, you know, so we, we keep, we try to keep the, the mission and the, and the, and the, and the identity of what we're doing and the origin at the centerpiece of everything and not, you know, purely, uh, showcasing you know, otherwise sexy shots of, uh, of us brewing coffee every day. So that's, that's sort of how we, um, how we position things, uh, with the bakehouse and the roastery. Perfect. Uh, thank you. Uh, we will talk about branding a little bit more, but before we do, you know, I'm going back to a bit to your setup, to your, uh, warehouse and factory. Like, uh, can you tell us a bit more about it? Like what, how are you doing your production and how did you maybe decide about the tools you use? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess we have a little bit in, more in common, uh, with, uh, the, the boot Academy and, and Valerian in this regard as well. When I went to 
the facility um, in San Rafael, I was like, oh, this is like a museum for Gießen. <laughs> and I was like, that, that's amazing. Um, and this is not a sponsored comment. <laughs> but, uh, but no, we, um, we actually, we do uh, roast uh, our, our single origin um, beans um, on, we now have two Giesens, uh based in uh, our, our, uh, an old printing, actually like a former printing press um, which has been converted into a, uh, it's, you know, fairly large by, by Bombay standards. Bombay real estate is akin to Manhattan real estate. It's like you, you it's very, very challenging to find a large space in the center of the city, which does not cost you an arm and a leg. Um, literally, I mean, in like dollar terms, right? So, so, um, you know, it's obviously highly dense, highly populated city. So, but, but, um, but, but what we managed somehow to uh, identify this really interesting like space and quite centrally located, but out of the way, I guess you could look at it as if you're looking at, I spent a lot of time in New York, so I'm just going with those references, but it's sort of, it's sort of like a, maybe, you know, what like Bushwick is like today in, in Brooklyn, sort of a little bit, little bit deeper Brooklyn, but still very like accessible to the rest of Brooklyn. Um, it's a little bit, little bit like that. Um, the area is called Baikala. And, uh, and yeah, we, 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 we started off with this, um, white, uh, we took it, took a kind of chance and, and, you know, maintenance is tougher with this, but we took a, we took on a white, um, a white geese and, um, the six kg geese to start with. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's how we, I was, you know, I was roasting, I guess, I guess maybe I can touch on the whole COVID angle to what we do and how that happened, but um given you know we, we actually started you know three days before the the covid lockdown hit uh, that's when subco actually began so it was very dramatic and uh you know stressful and frankly like unlikely scenario that we are still here talking to you today <laughs> valerian but but um we we started on the six kg geese and then we um actually about let's say less than a year ago now we've only been around for you know two so a year into starting Subco, we uh, we were in the fortunate position to justify, uh, you know, taking on a second uh, machine. So we we now have a, the W15A um, Gießen uh, coffee roaster as well, side by side. And what just to just to finish that thought, um, instead of having a, uh, I think this is this is quite unique to Subco. If I'm not mistaken, I've never seen another concept that's quite built this way from my just general research and 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 uh, exposure, but um, what we do is we we don't call our space a roastery. We call it the craftery, and um, it's the reason for that is it's an amalgamation. It is primarily our, our coffee roastery, of course, but um, and our sort of you know sensory lab kind of thing that we're building out. Not nearly as as nice as what you guys have going on at Boot, but we're we're trying and uh, and also it's an open format you know, croissant shaping and rolling and sourdough creation facility. So you can see us essentially not doing the actual baking because the oven's in the back, but all of the preparation, all of the doughs, all the rolling, all of that stuff is fully visible and transparent when you come there um, to the craftery. And, you know, you can see us roasting, you can see us, our bakery team working right behind there. So it's this weird amalgamation. And then our design team sits in the little office next door and we start to design. So we call it a, the, the designery and, you know, so all of that kind of comes together um, under this craftery umbrella. So that, that's where we roast and that's where we bake. And 
and we try to design as well. So two comments on it. First of all, I love it. That's really awesome. I like that. Because as you said, you incorporate your design and we're going to talk about it in a sec because I was fascinated about the design. Uh, second, you know, I have this thing going on on this podcast is the size of the coffee roaster. People always ask what size should I start with? And I always <laughs> tell them, well, you know, I think that it makes sense if you're going to be a wholesale roaster to think around 15 kilo per batch because you can usually start uh, roast less on it, like eight, but you cannot roast yeah. on six kilo 20 right per batch uh and without you knowing this you are living proof that yeah i mean if you're making this seriously then that 15 kilo makes sense right so and i know a lot of people think yeah. like i want to try it first and see where it goes but i don't know that six kilo geese and is not a cheap toy you know so no exactly i mean i was you know i was actually advised similarly against my decision so i think there's a little bit of regret there uh in in my initial choice to stick with the yeah to stick with the six i mean obviously as a lot of you know i guess i don't love the word entrepreneur but sure uh sort of uh you know young uh you know young folks in the coffee space or, or just people new to the coffee space will obviously try to optimize costs and you know it seems okay to not know how much coffee you'll actually be able to sell and to get that five or six kg probat or geeson uh but then suddenly you're confronted with, oh, okay, we don't suck, maybe. So now, now we're kind of screwed and now we have to invest all over again in a very short time frame. So, you know, um, I, would, I would agree with that. I think, I think if you have a, you know, a strong enough, you know, go-to-market strategy and you have a very strong, um, you know, um, I'd say, you know, uh, brand language and, and a very strong mission behind what, what contribution you want to make to, to specialty coffee, I think it makes some sense to kind of probably invest in at least a 12 or a 15, depending on the company. You're yeah. So what I do now on my business course, which is really awesome, because I had these conversations forever and it's a words against words. And by the way, I made this mistake multiple times in my life, you know, so as my <laughs> green plantation was growing, I was always making that mistake. Uh, okay. So I have this exercise for them when, uh, we have a we have a, uh, a Google Doc, you know, or Google Sheet, and I put in numbers. I say I will say, Hey Rahul, how much money you want to make a year? And you say, I want to make this much. So I put it in. <laughs> then you know, so basically, slowly, we we can work ourselves to the number of batches you have to roast, and also we go like, Okay, how many days you want to roast? Let's say you decide two or three days a week, because obviously, if you start yourself as a small business. You know, you have to do sales, you have to do marketing, you have to do everything, right? So you cannot roast all the time. And, you know, most of the time, the number is between 10, 12 kilos is the minimum. And I th still right. think that people have small eyes there. Uh, I had people who walked out, not really walked out, but end of the course, they were like, I'm so happy I did this because I, there's no money in uh, coffee. And I was like, what? Yeah, because they want to make three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand dollars You know, they were, one was a guy who does investments and he was like, this is not the number I want. And the second was a very successful IT guy who said that, you know what? I just stick to my profession because I make much more money there. And I was like, what, what were you thinking? It's a food product, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think it's a good point, Larry. You know, uh, you know, one thing that's happened, I'd say, I mean, we've we've you know made a certain kind of 
what I gather is that we made a certain kind of impact in in the coffee space and in the in the sort of baking space um, in India, and one that's fortunately for us even stretched beyond our borders with just some some like recognition by folks like like Sprudge and Standard Magazine and a few others. And what I mean by that is just you know what that's done is inspired this, which on one hand is great um, to some degree. I think you know not not us alone, but us plus other brands that have come before us have inspired sort of a this idea that you know coffee is a great business to get started with and to go into and and i think obviously i support that um but i think to your point it's like like there has in my in my opinion uh there, there has to be sort of a the right kind of uh, you know uh background knowledge education uh around why you're doing this what what the outcomes might be like um and then and then tailoring your commitment accordingly, right? Because I, I think if you just look at this and you see a few very successful, you know, retail coffee brands and you think that, you know, this is just a way to make, you know, a shitload of money quickly, I, I think that that might not be the best reason to try to get into this, into this line of work. So, yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think that I agree with you that there has to be some, somebody who gives you a realistic expectation. Because I, yes. I recently exactly. saw uh, a YouTube video and I didn't watch it. Uh, I should watch it next time I see it. And there was a, the, the tag on the video was like, how can we make uh, six figures doing this? And it was a guy who wrote some coffee. I'm like, uh, you know, I'd rather give you realistic expectations. I always tell my students in the beginning of the course, I want two outcomes on the end of this week, on Friday. You eat us on Monday, you start and you hustle. Or on Monday you decide I'm going to do something else in my life because wasting Absolutely. your time is the biggest investment you can lose. That doesn't come back. You know, nobody can money you can lose and you can gain and it can come and go, but your time, that's it. You know, agreed, fully agreed. At least I don't know if there is somebody who knows how to go back in time and stuff. I just let you know. <laughs> <laughs> let me know as well. Okay, uh, so. Pardon me to saying this bluntly, but you guys had some money to start this company because you started with Giesen, right? Mm. Uh, I guess you have a packaging line or a professional ba uh, uh, bakery. So, you know, you had investors behind you or, you know, did you have some secret savings? Uh, yeah, so the, the first, the beginning of this was, so, so just some background as to exactly what this looked like when we started. Um, so I was kind of, the journey was I'd, I'd quit my last job uh, before becoming like an entrepreneur, I guess, uh, in January of 2019. What was your job, and, if it's not a secret? Uh, <laughs> it's not a secret. It, it, I, was, I was a South Asia um, risk analyst. Um, yeah, it, it all sounds very fancy, but basically I was like a researcher and writer around what uh, various challenges and risks people uh, from other countries might face coming to do business in, um, in the region, in the sort of South Asia region, um, political risks, economic risks, things like that. Um, so, you know, I was doing that and, and I decided it had run its course for me and, uh, I had a decision to make. I was like, okay, um, either, and this was in, I was in Bombay at the time I was in Mumbai, I was based there, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and sort of, you know, I think the idea that occurred to me was either this idea of coming back to India and living there and doing something there was just, you know, a failed experiment that, 
you know, I, I have to accept that it just wasn't going to be something that uh, lasted very long, which I was okay with. And I was like, okay, I'll go back to New York, look for a job. And at, at this point, like coffee had become this like obsessive thing in my brain. Like all of the research I told you about before was kind of taking up a lot of my free time, uh, whatever little free time I had, you know, being a consultant, <laughs> but like, you know, it's, it's, so, so I was like, okay, um, let me start talking to like, you know, family, family, friends, figuring out if in theory, this was something I could really flush out in my mind, get the requisite training. Like there's a lot of ifs, you know, um, at that point. Um, but you know, would there be a possibility of bootstrapping this? And, you know, I came up with a budget and of course, uh, it's true what you said, Valerian, that, you know, we started with some expensive equipment that was, you know, not, it wasn't, you know, we didn't need to start with as such. Um, but I, I think I think what ended up happening there was um, there, there are obviously some cost cost optimizations as well, given that we're based at origin that, you know, you can you can, you know, also uh, avail. Um, so 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 I think in the end, the two of those things kind of balanced each other out to some degree um, in the sort of bootstrapping effort. Um, but but, you know, what I what I did, uh, Valerian, basically was I left the job. I actually I, I spent some time working at Google um, in, in New York city in a, in a past life. And weirdly enough, um, there was this really, really cool, uh, this really cool, uh, Polish guy named Marcin. And he used to run the, um, the sort of the coffee program for, uh, for, for Google, um, uh, in New York. And I just kind of kept in touch with him. And, uh, I was just like, Hey man, um, there's this, kind of thing I'm thinking of trying to delve into. And I think there's something, there's a story to tell. There's, there's definitely interesting quality, uh, uh, complex coffee to be, uh, unearthed, unearthed in, um, in India. And I want to kind of, um, try my hand at seeing how that would be, how that would look, feel and, and be experienced if we could. And basically he connected me to this, um, this roastery, which you might, may or may not be familiar with in Brooklyn called City of Saints, uh, coffee roasters. Um, they roast on this gigantic, I think it's a 70 kg Loring <laughs> and it's, it's insane. Um, but, but anyway, basically the ask was I, I, I essentially got connected to their green bean buyer and, and head roaster and, and this guy named John, super sweet guy in, uh, in like sort of like the middle of nowhere ish in, in, in Bushwick in Brooklyn, um, big sort of warehouse that they made into a roastery, uh, with like tiny little like cafe in the front. It was cool. Uh, really cool space. Um, primarily a wholesale, uh, business. Um, but, but also a bit of retail that they did and they had a couple of cafes as well. So they were sort of an in-between, you know, uh, brand in terms of their model. Um, and essentially, Valerian, what I did is I said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm trying to gather some funds to, to do something here uh, at, at Origin in India. But first, I need to learn how to roast coffee because <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And, um, and fortunately, they, they took me on as like an apprentice. They said, hey, you know, uh, can you can you kind of contribute to doing what we have to do on a day to day basis? And kind of I was like, yeah, for sure. Like I'll, I'll wash dishes. I'll wash cold brew vats. I'll. I'll get behind the bar. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I just want to learn. And, um, and that's, and that's sort of how it happened for me. Um, so I, so I spent some time apprenticing a few months apprenticing with them, as I call it. 
um, learning about how their model worked and, uh, and, you know, my first experiences with, you know, Ikawa and other things were there as well. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's sort of, and, and, and it was during that period, Valerian, that I, I cupped with them a lot and stuff. And I, and I sort of started thinking, okay, maybe I'm not off here that I feel like I always felt like I had like a strong palette for understanding nuances in coffee. I, I didn't know how to define them. Um, but I felt like reasonably good about that. And I was like, this is, it's a funny story. I started researching about how people in the coffee industry gain some, you know, respect and credibility to do what they want to do in the industry. And one of the things that obviously comes up in this conversation is, you know, cue grading and, and being able to, you know, sensorially um, analyze coffee. And I was like, oh, I think I can do this very naively. And, uh, and given, you know, I've worked as a barista years before and I drank a shitload of coffee from many different origins and processes since, but no formal, you know, real formal training at that stage. Um, but I, I didn't do all the nuanced research into this. I saw Q grading and I said, okay, I should go and, and probably try to get this Q grader thing. And, uh, and I signed up, I still remember this is Royal, Royal New York. Um, and I was in New York, you know, at the time. So I was like, okay, like I'm here, like before I go back to India, let me just get this done. And it's only after I paid money for this, it's very expensive, you know, fairly expensive certification. Um, at least for me, it was at the, at the time. And, and, and then after I've signed up and paid, I started researching it more and it's like the 21 exams and you're very rigorous and you have to pass all of them. And it's like not recommended for anyone below five to seven years in the industry and all of these different things. And I was like, oh shit, I think I made like a huge mistake. And I actually tried to get out of it and I called and I said, you know, I think I'm in over my head here. Uh, can I get a refund? And they were like, yeah, we don't really do that, but you can take, you can take this exam whenever, like avail it whenever you're ready. And I was like, well, unfortunately I don't live in New York right now. So anyway, I went for it and I just attended the one week queue and, uh, and yeah, basically, you know, I had, I had some trouble with triangulation, but I, I ended up, you know, eventually through a retake, I, I got through and I, and I got the queue. So it was, that gave me a burst of confidence as well when I went back to answer your original question to bootstrap this and, and, and gather some funds. I said, okay, I have a lot to learn here, but, but I think my, my base is reasonably strong at this point in time for me to try to elevate the experiential and even the sensorial understanding of, of specialty coffee in India that's sourced um, from the region. So I, I was able to bootstrap it um, with, with with a series of events uh, in the beginning. Um, and yeah, and, and I kind of chose to stick with like, um, with Gieson for a few reasons. I mean, one was that the folks who had started roasting small batch coffee in India were all using ProBat machines and um, loads of respect for ProBat as well. But I, 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 I tasted some coffees on the Gieson and I, I thought if we were gonna be the brand that tried to emphasize on, on more, um, floral and fruit and, and even boozy and fermentation. I, I felt that Gieson was doing a little bit more justice to that. In my opinion, I might not be correct on that, but that's how I felt, um, at least from the coffees I had experienced. So I, I chose to stick with, you know, to go with the Gieson. And at the time there was like a couple of Giesens, literally a couple of Giesens in the Indian market. Um, and now there's, there's a lot more than that, but, um, but yeah, and then, and then we, we, I've always been a massive La Marzocco 
kind of fan. So I, I just stuck with La Marzocco and, and, and you'd be surprised Larry, because all of these things that seem very normal and simple, um, perhaps your experience was similar when you first started in, in Slovakia, I'm not sure, but I, for me to procure these machines was not simple. You know, it, the, the amount of, the amount of issues you have with customs duties, with, with shipping timelines. I mean, now everyone's facing this with all the, the sort of supply chain issues going on, but, but it was very challenging actually to, to get these and because it, it wasn't a lot of these machines, distributors, et cetera, are obviously very keen and bullish on India, given, you know, this, this rapidly, you know, large population, rapidly rising middle-class, et cetera. Um, but for, for people on my side of the equation to set up bars that look and feel world-class, but also indigenizing it and that whole experiential bit that I was committed to, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Okay. So a few things, um, first of all, it's f congrats to becoming a Q grader. It's a very tough exam and, you know, I see how people sweat blood here when they come to take the Q graders here. Um, but it's the first time I ever heard that the Q grader helped either the confidence or maybe even gave a kind of creds to somebody to fund the company. So that's, that's kind of cool. I never uh, thought about it. By the way, I just had my recertification exams, uh, like two, three weeks nice. ago. So it's, it was very scary. Like, it's like, you know, you are Q grader, you cup, and then you go every three years, you have to renew your, uh, certificate and you go like, oh, I was like, I was so nervous, like on my first exam. So it was, it was funny. <laughs> um, oh, man. yeah, I, I know. But when it comes to, uh, I'm a, by the way, I have to admit I'm a pro bad guy, um, yeah. Uh, my company has probat, not because I hate geesens. I love geesens. I love to grow some geese. It just <laughs> happened that at that time we bought probat and, you know, just fall into our lap. So, but yeah, both roasters are sure. great. And, you know, I don't great. think that you should go with a cheap equipment. I didn't ever say that. And I don't want to be, as I said, if you can afford, buy the best equipment you can, because that's your workhorse. You don't want it break. It's like, for example, yeah. for espresso makers, we have here the Lamar Zocco. And, you know, I never really worked with them because we just couldn't afford them. But once I worked with it in a lab here at Boot Coffee, when I'm, well, I never afforded it, it was Green Plantation. So when I was working here, I was like, mm. I, I just love it. I, I'm in love with that machine. And next machine would be Lamar Zocco for Green Plantation for sure. And again, maybe if you show me something else and I fall in love with that and go like, oh yeah, I want to... I want that espresso maker, but luckily, a Slayer, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't have exposure to every, all of them. Otherwise, my life would be very hard because I would not be able to decide. But I really like this uh, <laughs> this one here, the the PB, I think it's called. So PB, yeah, 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 it's awesome. Okay, so uh, I have one more question about the business percent. We don't have to go deep into it. But many times, you know, people start a roastery, and I see that you have a roastery and a cafe. Do you think economically? it makes sense to connect both and start it from get-go? It's a great question. You know, I, I think there's a lot of like people that, so, so I'd say the answer is yes. If you, again, I, I'm, I'm caveating everything by saying yes, if you have a strong enough concept that you can get behind, right? Um, if, if the goal is ultimately to make margins on roasted coffee beans and, and, and sell them and do a fine job of sourcing and have some, you know, good to decent packaging to do it. I don't know if, you know, the, the incredible, incredibly challenging 
notion of the service industry and getting into the cafe space and all of, you know, staffing and training and all of these things. I mean, these are, have a lot of different rewards, of course. And, and I've, I've been very fortunate and content with that decision from my side. Um, but I, 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 I would say, um, part of the reason for that is I, I still believe Valerian that, you know, um, as much as, you know, e-commerce and, and digital, you know, um, platforms and distribution has, you know, you know, in many senses, democratized the ability for folks to start groceries. And, and I think that's amazing. I, I, I personally have always still felt that, um, it's at the end of the day, coffee is, 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 is something you consume. It's sensory. It's, it's something where at least having the ability to sample and taste and experience coffee the way that the company behind the beans, behind the roasted coffee might have intended it, has its own its own utility. And I think um I, I think of course from an investment point of view, that's a whole nother, you know, beast. Um and and that's why I say very carefully that yes, for for Subco with the kind of mission we had, it 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 had to kind of always be experiential in nature, um, with with you know a flagship storefront, with um with you know um, several methodologies of brewing coffee within the space, um, with the ability to taste, you know, the baked goods that we create, and then, and and, and we and we started there. But but of course, you know, I, I think it just heavily depends on 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 kind of what what the identity is uh, behind the roastery that you want to, you know. There's there's amazing some of the best coffee roasteries in the world don't have cafe fronts, you know. So I don't I don't think it's a necessity. I mean, I, I like. You know, you know, Square Mile, for example, is a, is, a, is, a, is a great example of this. I mean, there's no I know they support a couple of cafes strategically and but, you know, they, they don't have formally they don't have a, a cafe. Uh, so so I think I don't think there's a one size fits all on this. I, I think I think uh, in my opinion, uh, for what we wanted to do for and with um, Indian specialty, uh, it was a necessity to read to try to the aspiration to redefine the category and make it a global commodity. Um, was really required a, a, a couple of, uh, you know, world-class, but still very, you know, Indic cafe uh, experiences um, to showcase the product. So for us, that, that, that was important. Okay. So uh, moving on to branding, and we talked about it a little bit already, and you answered a few of my questions already, but, you know, you, you said the word uh, bootstrapping, and yet your packaging and your design is incredible. So if I would put number on that here, because, you know, uh, we sometimes help to our students to, you know, get quotes from designers we work with or we know. Uh, that's like between thirty and $70,000 design here in the United States. Easy. 30 is like a friend, 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 right? And 70 would be kind of like, a, I know somebody who does a good stuff. Uh, so it can go crazy. Uh, how did you go about it? Because it's really awesome, man. It's really cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, you know, I, I had a couple of options uh, in the beginning when I started this. So one thing that I knew we wanted to do was, you know, focusing on, you know, two streams of like sourcing, whether it was the larger estates that exist in India already and the smallholder farms, working closely with them to to push processing in a direction that we wanted from a sensory attribute point of view, meaning like more fruit forward, more boozy, more, you know, whatever con attributes that we wanted to see in Indian coffee, arguably for some of the first times, um, you know, globally 
people would never associate Indian coffee with these, you know, with these characteristics. So that, that was one commitment. Um, the baking uh, commitment I've spoken about. Um, the third commitment to answer your question was, okay, clearly, in addition to some quality and knowledge transfer issues, Indian coffee has a branding problem. It has a, I mean, the green coffee itself has a marketing problem. And I think beyond the greens, the roasted coffee most definitely has a branding problem because the first thing that you know we needed to think about was, okay, how do we make coffee into something aspirational and indigenous and global at the same time? Like these were like very big goals. Like these, these were like, I mean, I didn't know the answer to that. I knew that in my brain, there had been like a construction of what um, a, an Indian coffee brand that could, you know, take inspiration from and hopefully, you know, with some luck one day be in the same marketplace as a square mile or an ozone or a stump town or what have you, um, that would need to look and feel extremely tight knit and particular. Um, and, and, and the way forward for me was there was a few principles that drove that. And I was like, okay, I can either go to a large agency and, you know, pay, pay the kind of, you know, fees that you described. Um, you know, I mean, uh, internationally and, you know, obviously most of my life had been spent outside of India and I was like, okay, well, my bootstrap budget is now gone. Like 50% of what I have is now going into this design exercise, or I can, I can kind of sit back for a second, think about whether I felt that I had a strong enough concept and, and creative direction in my own mind and work with a really talented local designer who was, you know, keen to kind of put this concept on the map and, and, and basically with me, you know, acting in, in large part as kind of a creative director along with this designer and, and working very, very closely to make this concept reality. So that's the direction I ended up choosing. And I ended up working with an incredibly talented uh, guy named uh, Anirud, and he, he goes by the big fat minimalist on Instagram. So y'all who listening to this, Please check out Anirudh's work. He's at, uh, you know, at the Big Fat Minimalist. Um, incredibly talented designer. And uh, he, he, as far as I know, he had never done anything in the coffee space before, um, but he had done other consumer brand work. And, you know, one day I met him um, at a coffee shop in Bombay and I said, hey, man, um, I've gotten all these quotations from these like fancy agencies. And I was like, one, I can't afford it. Two, uh, I think I need to work with someone who's going to toil at this concept every day to the most intricate detail, um, who understands what we need to represent, which is the goal is, you know, if this box is to go on a shelf in a Brooklyn grocery store or something like that, would people be able to immediately associate it with Asia, India, quality, all of these things just by looking at the box? And that was a fairly you know lofty goal uh, to start with and uh you know fortunately me and Anirudh we spent <laughs> many months uh trying to put the, the the design language and logic together and one of the key components is um typography in fact so so given given that we and we we have sort of um the the, the in a sense the privilege of having so many different um indigenous scripts in the region in fact, even in the coffee growing regions of India, like you have, you know, states, you have about, I don't know the total number of states off the top of my head, but from the major production areas, 
it, themselves, you have about four to five different scripts um, that would be representing the linguistic groups that would be producing the coffee um, on the farm level. So, you know, I was like, okay, obviously this has to be a big part of the logic and how we build this brand. And so, you know, I worked, I worked, you know, very closely with him and he did a you know phenomenal job of putting together the, um, the initial identity. And then I, I think I brought this up earlier, Valerian, instead of, you know, taking a much more stable and, you know, easy, I'd say, or even logical, frankly, route of being like, hey, I need like a social media marketing content generation, um, you know, uh, agency to help me out. Like after we've initially got the brand off the ground, I was like, well, to keep this impact of what we created initially with the initial packaging work and all the extensions that would have to come, all the new origins, all the new content, all of the new um, um, experiences we wanted to build around Indian specialty, we had to control the design process. And, and for me, that was why I, I started kind of thinking about, but then to your point, you know, we're, we're a startup, we, we were genuinely, you know, to some degree bootstrapping, meaning, you know, we can't afford to hire, you know, uh, even, even, you know, individuals like, like Anirudh, who, who's in, an amazing designer in his own right. I knew I couldn't afford to keep him on board as like on a retainer, you know, after the project. So I was like, dude, I mean, help me out. Let me, let me try to build, like, let me try to get a design intern on board and then another designer. And, you know, so we started there and, you know, we, we have this, this amazing group, this amazing crew now, of depending how you define it, you know, between five and six people working full time on design work, whether it's digital packaging. Yeah. So we have, yeah. I mean, also, you know, video, create video, you know, video sound, like, we're kind of like a very experiential sort of um, a brand in this sense. I keep saying that word, but it's to me, it feels the most relevant. Um, so, so yeah, that that's that's sort of how we um, envision this. And 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 for the baking, as we as we as we spoke about in the beginning of the interview, um, you know, the other thing was just how do we uh, similarly do two things? One is not just post, like you know. Food porn is great, but like maybe not just food porn alone. Like we still had to retain this idea of of the 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 indigenous, the Indic, the traceable. Um, so every everywhere we can, we actually talk a lot about the produce. Um, we, we've taken almost a farm to table ish approach to baking, which is something quite novel. Um, of course, some people uh, in in like great brands and in the world like Tartine have done a bit of this, um, but. The idea was, could we, could we, could we tell stories about other Indian spices and, and fruits and produce and other things and get those incorporated with our coffee stories? Um, and then, and then utilize our, our brand language and our design to represent them on our feed, uh, in a way that, yes, gives you some like food form, food porn satisfaction, but also ticks these other boxes of typography and traceability. So. No, yeah. I, I was blown away and I did not know uh, that five people work on it and it makes 100% sense. And I have to say, I love the fact that you make it in-house and that you, you can afford and make it in-house because it's so important. Like with Green Plantation, um, I'm not there. I'm okay photographer, you know, I, I make videos. I'm, I'm, you know, audio, obviously. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Not great, but I, I can pull it off. But everybody else mm. is just horrible at it. And they even <laughs> refuse to do any like stories and stuff. So we hired, uh, uh, outsourced it to on a great team, except 
what happens is they don't understand us. They don't understand what green plantation stands for. They don't understand that we are not Starbucks. We don't want to, as you said, uh, convey a lot of arts. We want to convey stories. For us, the story of the coffee is the most important part. And it was never happening, you know? And it's like, yeah. it becomes this kind of wishy-washy, yes, pretty picture. And then there's a lot of fights on, on these, you know, like uh, conference calls. <laughs> it's like, hey, but here's a story. But look at that image. You know how much time we spent? It's, like, it's a great image, but oh boy. So I, yeah, I'm with you there. Like I sometimes tell people that maybe even if your pictures are not that amazing, just be you. Because, you know, yeah, it's like... 100%. Like I can, I can see through social media, like I can, if I see a brand and it's sterile and cold, I can right away go through it. Oh yeah, pretty pictures, but I don't know anything about it. But with your, right. and I, again, I checked it out just recently. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. How, how does he do it? And turns out, awesome team. We do it ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, thank you so much. You know, I, I I'm sure the team will listen to this and, and feel really good about that recognition. So thank you. Yeah. I'm stealing them to Slovakia. <laughs> you're still, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm yeah, no, it's, <laughs> you, you, you seemed worried for a second. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, no, no it's okay. Uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, maybe we can do something together, uh, Valerian, on this. But uh, but yeah, um, you know, it's it's. I, I will I will add, of course, like again, the same caveat, which is the direction you know um, myself and and my team by extension have taken is. Certainly a more challenging one to, to control that process oneself uh, or internally uh, with your own team, whether or not you have one person or four or five. I mean, different, I mean, different visions, different needs, et cetera, different geographies. Um, but, but, I, but I guess what I would say is, you know, I, I, I did spend um, an ample amount of time and energy uh, piecing together uh, committed concept um and, the, and that stretches i'd like to think through every piece of what you see regarding subco of course the product uh, on the cupping table but uh, or the, you know the, the loaf of sourdough you buy but i think it really stretches through a lot more than that and and i think um trying to trying to gain that kind of clarity um you know you know as you as you you know do very very important things like like train at the boot academy and and, and gain those skills i think in addition to that, what I would sort of suggest from my limited experience so far is trying to gain as much clarity as you can about that kind of commitment that Valerian just talked about, which is, okay, if you want to, if you want to be in, 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 in the realm of like showcasing latte art and that's your thing, then, then great, like do that. Um, I think if, if, if that's not, if that's not your thing, then having, having a lot of clarity about like, what are the coffee stories you want to be telling? Like, what 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 is it is it farm oriented that you want to be kind of focused on is it roastery oriented is it you know um i don't know or is it is it kind of a bit of both is it is it education is it you know i i, I think i think the more clarity the better and 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 making you know uh de important decisions around um what your financial needs are um can often be aided by your own your own clarity in the beginning of this process rather than piecemealing it and and investing heavily in things because other people did or you know um things like that yeah so my point wasn't really about latte art no latte artist was more about authenticity who you stand <laughs> are you for if you are a barista exactly. yeah. or if your cafe is great at latte arts latte art is what you have to you know convey. Exactly. so that that's yeah. cool um but you know i'll, I'll also uh 
going back to authenticity, there is this, uh, a great thing which happened to me recently. I had a visitor uh, from Purity Wine and we were just chatting and they are basically a natural winemaker slash co-fermenting place in Richmond here in California. Nice. And I looked, so we, Noel uh, is the, uh, the founder um, and uh, I always was criticizing Noel that, hey man, your, your labels look horrible. You have this interesting wine, but your labels are horrible. So suddenly I see the new labels. I was like, oh wow, there's a big improvement. What happened here? Like kind of pretty cool looking. He said, well, you know, we realize that we have a lot of followers who are artists because it's natural wine, artists, authenticity kind of come together. So we, you know, ask them to design us something and we pick for each of our release something and we reward them with 125 bucks. I was like, for 125 <laughs> bucks? Yeah. And, you know, they do it for fun, really. Just like, you know, here is money to spend on something silly, you know. And I was like, that's amazing. Right. It's it's a great idea, you know. So we talked about it before, but they, like, not with them, but in a podcast that, oh, you should look for some, you know, artists. But just, you know, they will say Instagram and they're like, yeah, I mean, you want to do this? Let's try. And they get so many artworks, you know, for and they can even select what they want to use and what they don't want to use. It's really awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I share that association. A lot of our um, sort of core followers uh, also are in the sort of design space, art space. Um, I think, you know, coffee and, 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 and art and, and just creative thinking definitely go hand in hand. So... Okay, so I have a few questions regarding entrepreneurship, but I'm most interested about, you know, uh, you, you said you don't like that word, but well, that, that's what I'm going to use here. So sorry about that. Uh, no, fair enough. Just that it gets a little butchered, but I, I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to, you know, own it now and just, you know, try to be a better version of that than, than, um, um, than just using it as a as a kind of a cool phrase so because you i mean you know this valerian i mean you've been you've been an entrepreneur yourself i mean it is fucking you know tough man what's <laughs> the hardest part so, so yeah what's the hardest part mm, i i guess um two things one is the kind of inherent guilt that comes with ever feeling like you don't want to be on the clock. Like, you know, like you kind of always have to be on the clock. Right. And then you're like, but I don't want to. And I want this other person to handle this thing in full. And then you're like, oh, but I don't know if I'll ever fully see it exactly the same way as somebody that might be working with me. But then trying to start making, you know, reasonable compromises to say, hey, we're a team. I've got to, I've got to, you know, allow you, you know, X person that I'm trusting with, you know, X part of the business to um to make some decisions you know uh, without doing it exactly the same way that i might but then retaining a certain understanding of a certain standard that we're trying to hit i, I think the hardest part is like letting go a little bit actually like after after some time um and setting up you know processes and expectations with, with individuals on the team um so i think that's been a big learning process for me and then and then yeah just finding the ability to just clock out and and not work <laughs> Those are the two things that I would. So here, say here is a funny story yeah. about that. So I was an entrepreneur since I came to United States in 2010, 
all the way to last May. I'm still a little bit because I have other projects going on, but last May I took this job. It was the first job I had for many, many years. And I had one of the first reviews with Willem and except that he hates me and, you know, he hates everything I do here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so one of the, he said, you know, he likes that I approach it like, uh, like it would be my own business. And I'm always like, Absolutely. I don't even know how to approach things differently. Like it would be my own business. I just forgot how that works to be just employee and not care, I guess. I, can, yeah. I guess employees yeah. care. I don't know. I don't remember that those times, you know, when I was just an employee, <laughs> like, I don't know, what was it, 15 years ago, how much I cared or not. I don't know. Anyway, Fair do enough. you have some, like, I always ask this question because, you know, you have some experience. Some people are just getting into this, you know, world of entrepreneurship business. Do you have, let's say, a few tips for them, three to five tips you would tell them that, hey, guys, do mm. this or avoid this? Wow. You know, I think, I think we've actually, like, I've given a little bit of this unsolicited <laughs> advice already a little bit in the podcast, but um, I think one, one thing for sure would be working in, you know, uh, the food and beverage space or the hospitality space, depending on how you position what you're doing. I, I really think that it has a lot of, you know, glorification and sex appeal and all of these things. Um, for, for rightful reason in some way, but I think it's really important to kind of understand the nuts and bolts of what makes that engine run, whether you're starting a roastery alone or whether you're starting a, a you know, a food program with your, with your coffee program or which, you know, often in, ends up being the case in some way or the other. Um, I guess all I would say is, um, with this particular, you know, sector or industry that, you know, myself, Valerian, and, and, and others in our trade operate in, I, I, think it's, I think it's a good idea to know, like, yes, we talked about, you know, the fact that you might not be like, you know, earning six figures off the bat and stuff like that. And that, that's certainly something worth knowing. But <laughs> I think even, even beyond that, Valerian, like the, the grind, you know, no pun intended, but the grind that it, that it kind of, you know, really requires the hustle and the grind to perfect something that is in between science and art, you know, in, in, as, as, as sourcing coffee, analyzing it, roasting it, you know, packaging it, it really, it, it spans, you know, all of the areas of science, art, business, like it, it, it's quite a multifaceted, um, thing. And I think a lot of times people see like a nice roaster in a shop and they're like, oh my God, like I'll drop coffee beans inside and I'll buy this roaster. And then I'll have like, you know, I'll be, I'll be someone cool that people associate with coffee. And, you know, I, I think it's, I mean, if, if you're, if you're, you know, lucky, hopefully that happens. But, but I think, I, I think there's a lot of complexity to it that, that folks might not initially understand. And I, and I think that's okay. It's just, you know, not, not presuming that, okay, it's coffee, it's consumer, it's cool, maybe. And, you know, it's a simple thing, for example, not getting the adequate training, not getting, you know, not going into a to a boot academy and investing oh, time, you. energy, money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There's my little plug. But but no, but I mean, but I, but I, but I, but I really do think that those are very very worthwhile, you know, investments of time, energy, and money um, to to make sure that you know you're really airtight about what you want to do. And you know, and and of course there'll always be a level of risk involved. And, and you know, coffee is um, in the end uh, a fairly competitive you know space. 
um, um, as is depending where you're located, of course, but as is, you know, bread and, and, and baking increasingly as well uh, in our context. So I, I think that's one. Uh, and then maybe like one other key thing would be try to, you know, I would really, I, I'd already do this. I mean, not that I'm very experienced. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, two, two and a half, you know, year old kind of entrepreneur at this point. But I, I really believe that um, coming up with a unique identity that can be represented through design is so, so critical to making any consumer brand worth its salt and sustain itself um, in an increasingly, you know, given e-commerce and given the ease of, you know, starting, you know, relative ease and relative, you know, uh, inexpense, let's say relatively of, of starting, you know, purely digital, uh, business. Um, I think it's easy to sometimes get carried away and say, Hey, it's not that large of an investment if I do it this way. And maybe I don't have to spend that much time on, you know, I can, I can just make this a volume game and I can sell this amount of roasted coffee and I can create a few strategic relationships and wholesale and go that way, which is all, which is all very possible, but but I feel the dividends um, that would come from, and, and we talked about this in the podcast, not necessarily investing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in doing this, but just using using your own inherent creativity, if you're interested in coffee, to to work with, you know, whether it's artists or or young designers or other talented people in in that that are that would be very keen to have the opportunity to represent a brand like yours. I think it's important to kind of you know logic that out and, and have it be very. Um, uh, very, very, uh, like sharp and focused, um, um, when, you know, before launching, uh, something, uh, in, in, in the food and beverage industry. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I learned it on my own skin when, you know, green plantation used to have very simple packaging and it wasn't horrible. It was actually, I would say pretty cool for what it was. Uh, and when we improved mm. it and we, you know, hired a professional designer and did a better job with it. I mean, we were taking more seriously. So, and I love, love your, also your approach that, you know, you should be authentic. You should be you giving rather than just th- focusing on a, on a bulkness of the coffee, how much you're going to sell, because there's so much competition. You have to stand out. And the fact that you guys are doing Indian coffee. And by the way, I forgot to mention this, but this is, I think, uh, super important because I love wine. I love terroir. I know that French thing that the fr- best wine on the world is French and uh, Italian thinks the best word in Italian is Italian, which is great because they're so proud of their own product, <laughs> right? Me as Hungarian, yeah, yeah. I think the Hungarian wine is awesome, right? And I'm so proud of it. <laughs> and I think that origins have to do the same. Otherwise, there'll be no expensive coffee. I will, otherwise, you know, people will always think about coffee as commodity. So that's, and there are a few companies which are kind of like launching in all the origins and kind of taking it seriously. And the people at origin start to drink coffee. That would make it like, yeah, more expensive. Yeah, sure. But on also the hand, like more valuable, right? For everyone. It's like, it's not just a commodity, you know? Yeah. Shouldn't be treated like that. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, like we didn't talk about this too much today, but interesting thing that we've been doing is given the terroir that you mentioned in India and, uh, the fact that, you know, processing evolutions and knowledge transfer is making up in large, in large part for some inherent geographic, um, uh, disadvantages, disadvantages, you know, being, being sort of, you know, slightly lower elevation than, you know, Ethiopian coffees and, you know, other, other origins that are inherently uh, higher elevation. 
there are some, so, so the processing, you know, I call it an evolution or even a revolution is very much in full force, um, whether it's experimental processing, which I am certainly interested in at Subco, but even just your, your standard processing practices, I mean, which I know Valerian is, is more into, uh, but, uh, or I, I, I gathered this uh, during our cupping uh, activities. Um, but, 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 you know, so, so everything, everything from, you know, harvesting, um, you know, selective harvesting and picking to um, adequate, you know, simple but adequate fermentation, um, even without using yeasts and inoculants and all these things, um, and, and drying methodologies and training of the staff on the estates and the plantations to understand uh, each of these pieces is happening at scale in India now, which is which is very very interesting, and it should be very interesting, I think, to everybody in the world because we're talking about you know a, a country with a large volume of coffee that could be um, could be very very interesting to explore um, in the specialty circuit in the next you know five years, and I and I think you know some of the experimental lots that we work with have been you know phenomenally high scoring and. Um, you know, uh, we've been very proud of the producers mainly, and we've just done the, you know, the, the presentation and the finishing and the roasting, of course. But, um, and, and, and interestingly, uh, we talked about this, Valerian, you know, we also have been dipping our feet into specialty Robusta recently. And um, Liberica, you mentioned so, last time. And, and Liberica as well. So, so that's something that, you know, Valerian and I spoke about as well as maybe doing something together with Liberica at some point and, you know, so, so, so I think, I think, you know, we're going to see, uh, it, weirdly, unexpectedly, India might end up being the terroir that can redefine, um, these quote unquote alternate species of, of coffee from a quality point of view. Like I swear, Valerian, like I'm not going to, one of our closest partner states recently did some kind of very extended ferment. Um, I believe it was an anaerobic process with Robusta and, um, Man, I mean, when I drank this coffee, I was, I was absolutely just, I, I, I genuinely couldn't believe what I was tasting. I was, I was, this was a coffee that probably could compete for like an, you know, an 88 to 90 point Arabica coffee, um, had come from this robust plant. And, you know, so there, there are interesting th things happening, like many things in India, like a leapfrogging effect seems to be occurring in coffee um, and, and in wheat and in other, you know, things that we work with um, in specialty wheat and stuff that separate conversation. But, um, you know, instead of maybe the more typical journey that let's say a Colombia or a Brazil might have taken, which started in commodity and then went to kind of like, okay, consistent supply of 83 to 86 point coffee. And then, okay, now we have your, your, you know, super specialty geisha plantations all over the Central American region and stuff like, like Mr. Booth's, uh, you know, plantations scoring, you know, 91s, 92s, 93s, 94s. Um, India has kind of, I would say like skipped that sort of, you know, consistent long 80 to 84 point kind of, um, uh, which, which, which there's a bunch of amazing reliable coffee in that, in that range now that's being produced in India. But, I think we're quickly getting to the point where, you know, that 85 plus point coffee is becoming more and more, um, regularized and, uh, and there's more and more incentive, um, for, for, for the planters to, um, invest in producing it. So anyway, that's a long winded way of saying that I think, um, there's a very interesting and, and bright future for, for, for South Asian and, and Asian coffee in general. And I hope that 
us at Subco can play a, a positive role in in committing to that to the to that region of the world and 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 to kind of avoiding the uh, temptation at times to take on beautiful coffees from you know Latin America and and, and sort of uh, the African continent because our goal in the end is very very targeted to being um, an Asian uh, specialty coffee roaster that started at Origin and that would one day, you know, with enough support, would, would love to share a story on, on a global level. So I, as I said, I salute you for that and, it, and it's great. And I think that when it comes to coffees, I always think that you have to take in consideration that there are. So when it comes to Brazil, I really expect the chocolate and Nutella coffee and let make, let's make it clean, not too earthy, and amazing, like if it has a little acidity, kind of highlighting those things, I want that. So that's why I, I kind of, I'm a weirdo in a, in a uh, coffee world and I really don't like the, the controlled right. processes. Uh, they remind me of a plastic surgery, you know? There's like, in, <laughs> even in this ugly face, there's a beauty, right? So like, it's, it's like, you know, they call it the wabi-sabi philosophy in, 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 uh, in uh, design, yeah. right? So, you know, the imperfection can also create a perfection. And Fair I think enough. that focusing on the right Arabica varietals or even species, the coffee species, coffee species, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me is more exciting than putting something in a barrel add a yeast and create the same profile all over the world. And by the way, I did score those coffees high because I know that I shouldn't be calibrated and I know how the people (laughs) score them. Do I want to drink them? Heck no. You know, it's, it's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. Like I like, like, Oh yeah, that's cool. But now I'm scared that, okay, if you use Cidra yeast or whatever, and all the coffees will taste the same on the world. I mean, aren't we going away from that with, you know, when we go to Starbucks, for example, So I, yeah, I'm yeah, more yeah. a purist, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's totally fair, and and I think there is, you know, and I'm, I'm I know I owe I owe Valerian some some coffee beans uh, from a few different origins uh, soon, so he'll see this when I send them. But I I think you know I, I I of course I do have a special interest in the controlled processes, and I think it's it's something that you know is able to wow. A lot of people uh, around um, Indian coffee in the beginning, and then I believe the arc that we can go on is be like, okay, there is quality there. Um, there is some science being exercised, um, and then you know, coming climbing down that ladder a bit and being like, okay, well, there are some just really great standard naturals and some really great red honeys and you know, pink honeys and whatever else you know might be you know not using inoculants and yeasts and 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 barrels and so. I think our, our philosophy does straddle the two. Uh, I don't think that we're in that in that zone where we are only, uh, you know, searching for highly controlled, um, you know, inoculated processes and extended fermentations. I think we do we do have a, a fairly unique breadth of of, um, of micro lots that we work with. Um, so so I think I think yeah. But but I, I completely respect that opinion, and I think the oh, terroir is an integral part of, uh, of the story that we need to tell, um, especially being an origin that is, you know, still kind of emerging on the, on the global specialty map when it comes to uh, India. You know, as an old person, I would say, you will see in five or 10 years, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, it's, I, I am happy to take that shirt on me, you know, like natural wines, now natural fermentation. I found the natural, 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 natural yeast and bacteria, our, 
fascinating world. It's like I love them, so I'm, I'm opposing that. But okay, let's let's play with that. Let's see where it takes. <laughs> What's the future exactly. for uh, in Valerian English Subco or in the normal English? Uh, sorry, it was Subco in Valerian English and Subco in normal English. <laughs> Wow, the future. Um, well, uh, I didn't get to share a lot about the circumstances we were born in, but to put it in 30 seconds, I mean, we, a lot of these ideas um, were incredibly, I mean, they were already kind of very difficult to, I'd say, fairly ambitious and unlikely to have, uh, I don't know if we've succeeded, but unlikely to have worked in some way, uh, resonated with people. But adding to that was that we ended up launching our first, like our tiny like grocery cafe bakery space, um, which was in a converted, it is in a converted a uh, hundred year old uh, sort of colonial Portuguese home in the, and like these tiny little lanes in one neighborhood in, in Bombay called Bandra. And uh, when we did launch that space, it ended up being, you know, open for 72 hours approximately and and then you know covid had made its way to to india and uh and you know the prime minister there like suddenly shut down the entire country and it was all kind of a mess but um but but basically we had an immense um very unlikely challenge at our hands when we started and then you know we were focusing on the cafe concept at first and then we thought, okay, I developed, you know, this whole retail packaging line and I printed out a certain amount of, uh, produced a certain amount of packaging and kept it in like a warehouse. But I was like, okay, we'll see in like three to six months based on how the cafe is going, if we start, you know, retailing beans. And that was sort of the logic. Suddenly everything flipped on its head. We don't have a cafe anymore. No one really knows about who we are. Um, and uh, and so, you know, I we pulled out, all of our retail packaging and we start to build out a Shopify experience and we started to kind of, um, you know, figure out how to start communicating with people. I mean, in the, in the heat of that, that initial first wave, I mean, nobody was interested in taking on, you know, a new brand and trying to, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't that, you know, people were latching on to kind of safety and familiarity and all these things. So we really had to find a way to break through that clutter. And, um, and, and so, you know, I'm forgetting what your question actually was here. My but question was, what's your future? What's, on the horizon? what's the future? Yeah. So a bit about the past. So, so then, you know, what ended up happening, Valerian, is the first wave, we, we, we steadily kind of started engaging through Instagram with people. And we, um, we, we developed, like, fortunately for us in our neighborhood and then in Bombay and then eventually and even in, you know, all across other parts of India, we, we started to, that, that probably took a span of, you know, 12 to 15 months, what I described. Um, but, but basically, um, we, we, you know, we developed a, a, an increasingly, um, you know, strong and, and fortunately quite like loyal following for the MicroLog program that we, that we present, um, and, and sort of all the various design experiences. And of course, those who are in Bombay can enjoy the, the sourdough and the experimental croissants. So that's where, that's where things started. And when the first wave kind of ended and they opened up like seating inside spaces for the first time at like 50% capacity and this and that. And there was all sorts of different, you know, rules and, and regulations at the time. We were completely stunned because the six months that we had spent on digital trying to build like affinity for what we were doing, um, 
it seemed to have resulted in this like every weekend like huge queues down the block with people waiting for coffee and and croissants at our space and it was you know unexpected to say the least and and very humbling and so that's where this you know i think that they started to become kind of a a bit of a i guess like a cult following for subco um in in bombay then in india and and that on the heels of that i guess you know we had been uh we'd been written about in 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 sprudge and like we last year we ended up winning um the runner the runner up but hey I, i'll i'll take it we won the runner up uh for the sprudgy awards that they do uh every year um and as the best new specialty coffee shop in the world we this company in this cafe in texas won uh, won it but uh and on the heels of that standard magazine um decided to cover us in their issue like 25 i think it was and so a bunch of a bunch of very uh fortunate things kind of happened in a row and um and in terms of the future of uh, larian i think there's two key things uh one is i'm actively thinking about approaching a new uh vertical um which i'll keep a little bit of a secret but valerian has also been uh toying with this uh particular agricultural crop and uh and i think he's been doing some cool work i tasted one of the uh end products he built out of it and um we we are we we grow another crop in india which can be uh a kin quite akin to coffee from a processing and a finished product point of view and we're thinking of um doing something making a big commitment uh to a to another uh product line which also takes us to origin and is very processing driven and involves roasting and anyway i'm sure some of you can figure it out by now i think yeah, the easiest way to figure it next. out and there is a pitch go to boot coffee website look at the courses and there is one in august of doing that and it's not coffee <laughs> so there awesome i like that and 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 then secondarily valerian is we just in fact um you know like last week we started shipping coffee beans to the US the UK uh, roasted coffee uh and the UAE uh like to Dubai and and the Emirates um so you know that's that's our first kind of foray into engaging with with the broader world around Indian specialty and my hope is that you know we can actually create you know um more more brick and mortar experiences in other parts of the world and 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 tell this story more broadly um outside of india while retaining our focus on origin um so that's sort of the two pronged i'd say next kind of future for subco is we're we're looking at you know again hopefully people keep supporting us the way they have and we can grow that support and if that's the case um we'd like to showcase what we do to to other parts of the world uh you know um so that's sort of on my radar and and this new vertical so awesome all right man that was a long one lots of editing <laughs> no not really but um uh, you know i usually uh give my guests a chance to ask me a question if you have one so do you have a question for me yeah i have a few one is like where did you get this hawaiian shirt because i need to get one uh it's <laughs> you really want to know uh no no It's a TJ Maxx, man. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. They have the best shirts, man. I mean, that's no, but on a on a you know slightly serious note, uh, Valerian. I mean, do you you know you you get to cup you know arguably you know pretty much the best coffees in in the world um, and uh, regularly. And um, 
you know, do you think that there is a, a story to tell when it comes to Asia, Asian origins, India? Um, how do you, you know, in, in my view, like it's, it's sort of this, like, in a sense, like the last frontier with reasonable volume of coffee that exists that people don't really know anything about. And obviously in recent years, you have like Myanmar that's kind of come up and broken through in a few senses. You have some Chinese origins that are, people have been talking about, a little bit of Filipino coffee. But do you think a brand like ours, if we could amalgamate all of that and, and present a really strong, you know, set of, of products that are focused on that region, um, you know, could be interesting to people given you're, you're a trainer and you're an educational um, coffee professional and, and you understand the market well. Oh, those are nice words. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. I think, I yeah. think the, the, uh, for me, what's disappointing on a Q, you know, we have different category Q grader, uh, exams that we get coffees from the CQI and the Asians are usually very Asian. I mean, it's just like the old world, yeah. the Sumatra, the Papua New Guinea. Yes. And it's, it's okay, but where are the, you know, Thailand coffees? Where are the Indian coffees? Where are the, you know, the yes. other Asian coffees? China, like, you know, uh, I had a very interesting Chinese coffee. It didn't score 90 points, but it, for me, it doesn't have to because I'm not looking for, yeah. you know, a, a score competition. I'm looking for, oh, this, is this interesting? Does it... Uh, show me somehow the terroir, that is somehow show me something interesting from that terroir. So uh, actually that uh, Chinese coffee, I remember from the, for the same region where the puer, the tea is grown. And I didn't know that. I oh, just cool. tasted the coffee. Yeah. I was like, this reminds me of puer tea. And I was like, ha, wow. okay, there is some connection here. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, Indian coffee, man, it's like, I was, I was working with, uh, with, the last time I was working with Indian coffee was the uh, Monzu Malabar, and that was 20 years ago. Okay. You know, so that, that's yeah, what people yeah. know. And it's like, and now you're mentioning exactly. all these amazing coffees. Where are they? I want them, you know? So, and I think that's, that's, that's a great, I mean, Vietnamese, Laos, right? All those coffees are, yes. everything think of Vietnam as Absolutely. robusta land. No, they are Arabicas too, yes. you know? And I'm sure that, as you mentioned, the robusta from... Uh, from India that they have now, okay, let's put a special process on it, it's going to happen. Same with Liberica. Like Liberica is very weird, but nobody ever gave it a <laughs> chance. We don't know too much about it. You know, we don't know how to roast it. Yeah. When we talked about it, we agreed that it roasts very weirdly and it doesn't have a first crack. It has multiple first cracks, <laughs> but maybe we roast it badly, right, right. right? Because nobody really approached it that way. So uh, I think there's right. a... It's like like almost like a candy land of uh, exploration, I think. So you are in a candy land, man. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you. I'll, I'll try to uh, I'll try to keep that in mind and um, and do it justice, uh, Valerian. So thank you. Well, thank you so very much. Uh, before I let you go, let us know where people can find you. Oh sure. Um, so yeah, anyone that's curious about um, you know Indian and, and Asian specialty and and the entire subgroup experience that we're trying to build uh please check us out on on primarily on instagram at the moment um you know at the rate uh, or at uh subco coffee s-u-b-k-o uh coffee um and uh as i mentioned if anyone's interested in actually uh tasting any of the coffee um if you're not in india if you're in india please dm me and i'll come and meet you and it'll be great and we'll 
you know, cup coffee together. But if you're based out here in the States or in Europe, um, depending on where, um, we could, we could include you in this pilot global shipping, um, that we're doing. So the, the website is, um, www.subco.coffee. And uh, you can just select the global shipping uh, store and uh, we can um, we can connect that way. So, um, yeah. And no worries, I put all those links into the show notes so people don't have to kind of like, oh, what is this? So just go coffees.com. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And, and I've given Valerian my personal, uh, like my email and, uh, and uh, my Instagram handle, I believe. If not, I will. Um, and please feel free to reach out to me uh, with any any thoughts and any feedback any any interesting collaboration conversations that you might want to have with us um, we'd appreciate all of that and don't forget your credit card number <laughs> <laughs> okay no no this is all uh, <laughs> thank you so much Good for stuff. being here uh, listener thank you for uh, tuning in uh, to another episode of coffees.me podcast this time with video I hope to enjoy, you enjoyed seeing us uh, and I hope I didn't disappoint that I have notes because now you guys know. All right. Everyone have a good one. Bye. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye.